Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. My name is Joe Thomas. I'm the Echoes Everton FC correspondent, and alongside me, got my colleagues, Paul Wheelock, and this side football, women's football writer, Beth Lynn, not to talk about the derby yesterday, and of course, regular contributor, Gav Buckland. How are we? How are we all getting on, folks? You right? Celebrating yeah, an Everton victory. Yeah. <laughs> Happy days. How that feels, yeah. yeah well, that very much feels uh, the best place to start, I think. Beth, obviously, you were there covering this. For the Echo, and I think you wrote the headline. It was something on the lines of that I want to be writing in a couple of days' time when 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 the men's team goes to, to Anfield. Was it Blues dancing in delight in Anfield yeah, after a win? Evertonians celebrating on the cop. It was something along those lines. But um, but yeah, a massively deserved win for Everton yesterday. I was I was pleased for them because obviously I cover both Merseyside clubs from from the women's side of things and. You know, Everton have had a tough start to the season and I think sort of last season they were a joy to watch at times. They were they were great and you know, the season prior to that they'd had a really disappointing campaign. They'd finished tenth, they'd sacked, you know, two permanent managers and just the whole mood around the club didn't feel particularly great. And then they bring Brian Sorensen in last summer and it felt like a breath of fresh air. You know, they had a, an overhaul of the playing squad and, you know, it just felt like they were they finished sixth last season and it felt like they were very much short of a side that could be in the ascendancy and, and pushing for sort of top five, top four. Um, and then they, they lose the first two games of this season against opposition who they probably should be beating in, in uh, Brighton and Hove Albion and, and Leicester City, albeit Leicester have actually started really well this season. But, you know, it it, it felt like, you know, the stars were aligning for, for Liverpool to, to get one over on them mm-hmm. at Anfield. Liverpool had, had won the first two games of the season. Um, so it felt like it sort of, it was the prime moment for Liverpool to sort of, Break their Anfield who you do against Everton because actually on, on the women's side of things uh, Everton have won all four of the Merseyside derby encounters uh, yeah, in, in, in the women's game so um, yeah it felt like coming into the game that Everton were very much sort of the underdogs but mm-hmm. I think they almost relished that a little bit I spoke to, to Meg Finnegan the captain last week and she's, you know, she says I think the pressure is on Liverpool mm-hmm. and I think maybe that sort of that sort of told during the you know certainly after the first 10, 20 minutes when Liverpool started brightly, you know, Everton sort of sucked all of the, the energy out of him, really, and, and yeah, a deserved win. It was Meg Feeling who, who did it again, wasn't it? I mean, how pleased were you for her, bearing in mind, obviously, you know quite well, you've been speaking to her earlier on in the week. Yeah, delighted for her. She's, you know, she's someone who, you know, knows the club inside out, has been there since the age of nine. She knows more than anyone what it means to, mm-hmm. to win a Merseyside derby and, her leadership skills, you know, the, the amount of effort that she puts in on and off the pitch. I think Brian Sorensen said, you know, she's the one who sets the standards in the Everton dressing room. So I was delighted for her to to get that that winning goal. I mean, when I spoke to her last week, she said being a cap, being club captain now, it hurts more than usual when mm-hmm. when they lose games. And you could really tell it was, you know, it was weighing her down a little bit that they'd, they'd had such a, a disappointing start. So, you know, it was nice for her to, to get on the score sheet and, and get the win. Um, I mean, I think, you know, I spoke, spoke to Matt Beard after the game last night and he wasn't very happy with some of the officiating in the game. Liverpool had a what looks to be a illegitimate goal chalked off for offside early on. 
Um, but I think on the balance of the game, you know, Everton totally deserved it. I think defensively they were excellent. Liverpool didn't really create an awful lot. Um, but yeah, please, please for Brian Sorensen and please for, for Meg Finnegan. Yeah, especially in that second half, with the exception of maybe the last five, ten minutes when the game became a little bit more frantic. I thought Everton were very kind of mature and quite authoritative at the back. It, you know, it really was a very good performance, wasn't it? Paul, you were one of those blues who was dancing on the cop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, How did that feel? Less so me myself, but certainly my two sons were dancing <laughs> at the end. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, you know what, the whole day was, was excellent. I've been to Everton women's games before at Walton Hall Park, but that was my first one at either Goodison or Anfield and it was uh, you could tell for, for a lot of people at not just Everton but certainly Liverpool sport as well it was the first experience of a you know a top flight game at, you know it is the uh, you know behind enemy lines for Everton supporters but it is a fantastic setup there there's no no question about it and the, the game as Beth was rightly described and Joe which you touched on there for Everton were excellent you know the first 10 minutes they could have gone under sounds like they may have slightly fortuitous decision going in their way Liverpool hit the bar but then, once Everton found their feet, I thought they controlled the game really well. And in the second half, you know, certainly in the last 15 to 20 minutes, when Liverpool had made subs and had to try and push for, a, for an equaliser, Everton could easily have come away as, you know, scoring a second or third goal. And then, obviously, at the end, they had the, the, the six-minute edition time, and it was the, probably the one time I was really nervous in the game, because <laughs> I've had plenty of experiences over the years at Anfield where I've... Uh, winning or drawing and uh, there's always like a sting in the tail and it did feel like the referee was going to play into Liverpool equalised <laughs> but it didn't it didn't turn out that way but no it was uh, I thought it, I'm, I'm pretty sure both teams Beth you'll know better have probably played better mm-hmm. but it was a really good advertisement for you know uh, the, the Women's Super League and, and for both teams you know 23,000 in attendance uh, I think it, hopefully it's going to become part of the course now where each game's are played at Goodison and Anfield because it gets you know gets a lot of people who probably who can't get to the game all the time to mm. see some you know some top class football. So yeah, where we were on the cop, it was inadvertent because the the, the family who got us our tickets are red. So I'm pretty sure they didn't mean to sit as near all the blues. But uh, yeah, it was it, it was an interesting move by Liverpool to you know Beth, you may know you, you will know more, but to, it was like the corner of the cop was the away end, and uh, at the end, obviously all the players. Ryan's players came over and celebrated in front of him. It was, yeah, it's a really good moment. Took photos of it. <laughs> the scoreboard, the celebrations. One for posterity, definitely. Absolutely. And Paul, you mentioned it there. Obviously, more than 20,000 people in attendance for that, Gav. I mean, it's great to see the game being supported so well and, and those numbers grow. I remember being at one of the yeah. open training sessions um, at Goodison Park for the Everton women's team last season. And, and the numbers there were huge, but you could see it was a it was a, a crowd that was new to football in some aspects, and and one that was you know, growing in terms of, of its enthusiasm for the game. Obviously, that was coming after the back of the success of the the Lionesses, and it just really is nice to see. I remember I remember walking away from Goodison after and just seeing granddads having yeah. pictures with their granddaughters and things like that. It's it's, it's brilliant, isn't it? Absolutely, it was the fifty thousand at Arsenal the week for one of the games, yeah. wasn't it? That's yeah. Fifty-four thousand was the new, new WSL ground, record, yeah. it? You know, huge attendance. Yeah, I think they should be played at Anfield and you know maybe our new stadium. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, yeah I think because gives people. I mean, there's lots of Liverpool fans and, and probably to say the other fans who haven't got a chance to go there, mm. you know, to watch the men's game. So it's probably their only opportunity to actually go go mm-hmm. go to the grounds. So years ago, you went to reserves. Um, if you could get a ticket so yeah I think they should be played there and it's one of the success stories isn't it of, of British sport over the last decade isn't it the growth of women's football and the coverage it gets 
and it just needs to be maintained, you know, and not just necessarily off the back off the success of the, the national team. And um, you know, in other words, if that's stopped, then people lose interest. It has mm. to, it has to, you know, you know, uh, women's club football has to be a standalone. Yeah. Leaders, and that has to, you know, support itself really. Um, and it gets lots of coverage, but I think like a lot of things, it needs money. Like a lot of things to develop, and these things need money, don't they? And um, you know, you would you would like to think that in future there will be more money available to to grow the game. And um, as you've seen in the the women, the national team, the lionesses, it, it's huge interest nationally, isn't it? Really, it's a, it's an event, isn't it, in England, women's football game, you know, in a major tournament, as we've seen over the last couple of years. And you know, that, and that, it's, it's pleased to see it's just a, it's a different angle, isn't it? So it's, it's not. I mean, they've watching football more than fifty years, and it's it's, it's another angle on football, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's another, you know, it, and that, yeah. that's the. That's the good thing, and it was just is the atmosphere different to a men's game when you said about the crowds yesterday and standing on the cop. Did that? F- I know it's like only half the crowd for derby. Is it a different different atmosphere? Yeah. Is it? Well, oh. What it reminds me of, like uh, it, I went to watch some Sean, obviously two sons mad into football, and we went to watch England against Mas- North Macedonia at Old Trafford in the summer, and it, it reminded me of that. It was because it, it was so led by young young mm. people, yeah. like the, most people had young children there, and that naturally changes the atmosphere anyway yeah. Than, yeah. you know maybe what i would imagine at most top flight english games are probably mainly male elder led still in terms of like demographics uh but <laughs> it was quite interesting because i was having that debate it was even though it was well well natured at the end when the everton fans coming over they were getting booed the players were getting booed yeah. <laughs> there was two kids behind my lads in the full Liverpool kids going the city is still red the city is still red <laughs> so it still had that you know it, it was not quite as antagonistic as probably the men's premier league games but the, there was still that rivalry there don't worry when yeah. the goal was disallowed there were boos and you know when everton players were over in that corner warming up and things like that there's still that rivalry there but i think what but what changed it for me was just how family family led yeah. it was really. I don't know if that's like in every game when I've been to Walton Old Park, it's been like that. But obviously, it was on a bigger scale yesterday. Yeah, I think women's football it is maybe at a little bit of a crossroads at the moment because I think, you know, it, it is so sort of family orientated. It has been sort of in, in the last few years, and that's great. And and as as you touched on there, you know, it's far more accessible than the mm. men's game, so it's a great chance to get young boys, young girls down for for the first sort of taste of, of top flight action. So. You, you know, you want to retain that. And I also think, you know, in the, in the Premier League now, there's so much vitriol and so much, sort of, so many sort of, sort of bad habits that the men's game has got that you don't necessarily want to transfer over to, to the women's team. So, you know, it, you do want to maintain that, that sort of family element, but also, you know, no, no game of football is complete without a little bit of needle, is it, and a bit mm. of rivalry. So I think, you know, that there's, you see certain fan bases, particularly sort of the London clubs, actually sort of the, the Arsenal's and Chelsea's that are really well supported. A lot of the older fans get quite frustrated because they'll get, you know, parents turning around and tutting when they swear or, you know, things like that, things in the men's game that, you know, is by the by, um, you know, is sort of frowned upon sometimes in the women's game. So I think it's now about sort of striking that balance between keeping the family atmosphere, but also incorporating that rivalry. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Beth, where, obviously you watched them last season and that as well. Where do you think Everton's ceiling is this season? Because it feels like with the Women's Premier League, obviously you have some absolute juggernauts in, in Arsenal and Chelsea. Um, perhaps similar to how you do in, in the men's game where you have a couple of, of clubs at the very top of the game and then a bit of a bum fight to, you know, to try and catch up with them. What, what, how much can Everton do this season? What would be a good season for this side? I think they finished sixth last season, so I would say if they finish fifth this season, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a really good season. And I think it is so difficult because the top four is almost sort of impenetrable, really. Like, you, you look at, at the clubs up there, you've got Chelsea who are bidding to win the title for a fifth consecutive season, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it's is crazy level of dominance, really. Um, Arsenal, obviously, a well-established women's team, and then both Manchester clubs have had so much investment in the past five, ten years that, you know, they're like up there at the very top now as well. So it's very difficult. It feels like teams outside of that that top four, and I include mm-hmm. Liverpool in this as well, despite the fact that Liverpool obviously were a juggernaut on the men's side of things. You know, on the women's side, they're still having to almost battle for the best of the rest, really, mm-hmm. because they've not managed to catch up in investment terms. I think, you know, Brian Sorensen, one of the sort of, Last season, one of the things I found really telling, I remember being sat in a press conference with Brian and he said, um, he was talking about a, a, an Arsenal loanee that, that Everton had had, a winger called Gio. And uh, Arsenal had asked for her to go back in January because she wasn't getting an awful lot of game time. And Brian said, um, you know, we didn't have to let her go contractually, but we want to work with Arsenal again on future loans and that's right. where we are in the food chain. And the, the, the word food chain really made me think. And, you know, I, I don't think anyone at Everton is under any illusions about where they do stand in the pecking order in the WSL in terms of finances and, and you know, the, the money that they've got at the disposal. Um, so I think it would be a real challenge for them to try and get into that. Because as well, in, in the women's game, there's only three European spots as well. So it's not even a top four, it's a top three. So to try and, you know, you'd have to oust one of the Manchester clubs or Arsenal or Chelsea, mm-hmm. which is a, a really big ask. So I'd say probably this, this season, if they could aim for fifth, I think that will be a really positive season. And then, you know, I think Brian Sorensen's a really good manager. I think he's he's got some great young talent there. And I think, you know, if they were to, to strike upon sort of the right combination of, of young talent and experience in the next couple of seasons, then maybe they could mm. push for, for a European place. I think that might be just slightly beyond them for, for this season. Yeah. Who would you say is one to watch out of those younger players? Obviously, Oof. we've got some well-established names like Tony Duggan and obviously Meg Finnegan, the captain. Two-time scorer of a winning goal at Anfield. <laughs> um, they've got a, a young Danish player in, she's only 18, Caroline Olsen. Uh, and, and Brian, head of the season, said she's the, one of the most talented players to come out of Scandinavia in the last 10 years, mm. which is a big claim. Um, we've, I don't think we've really seen the best of her yet. She came off the bench yesterday. Um, so I think she is definitely one to watch. Um, I think... You know, they've defensively they've got some really good players. They've got uh, Elise Stenovic, who's a young, sort of very versatile defender, can play pretty much all over the back line. They've got Emily Ramsey, who's a a young uh, goalkeeper, England's international as well. So they've got a lot of young talent coming through. And I guess I suppose it's just about, you know, when you have a young team, naturally you're going to have good days and bad days, aren't you? And I think in a way that's why what they did yesterday was so impressive because it was a young team and they weren't overawed by the occasion. They weren't overall by the fast start that Liverpool made. So I think that there's definitely a high ceiling to this team, but I think they will have good days and bad days while they're sort of still, some of the players I think are still learning on the job in terms of the WSL. 
but definitely one to, to keep an eye on over the course of the season. Yeah, that's really fascinating insight. Thanks very much for coming on. No, thank you for having Transition me. now from one derby <laughs> to the next. Obviously, <laughs> next next Saturday, the lunchtime kickoff. Paul, I know we're in the middle of an international break. I know we haven't quite started up the uh, the treadmill of, of, of pre-derby <laughs> activity with the press conferences and players coming back and all sorts. But, I mean... Are you casting your mind that far in advance yet? Or are you actually just enjoying the you know, the calmness of a, a week and a half without Everton and a week and a half on the back of an Everton win? Yeah, a bit of both. Uh, you know, basking in the glory of that win over Bournemouth and trying not to think about the derby until about 12.44 on Saturday, <laughs> to be honest, uh, given our recent and, well, not so recent, unfortunately, anymore, past experience uh, at Anfield. Uh, no, it's, it's, in a, it's just taken the pressure off, hasn't it? Uh, this, as, as you've been writing this week, Joe, you know, it's you know, one win certainly does not make up for the disappointments of the, the three home losses that we've had this season. But it's if we would have been going into the derby mm. on the back of a defeat or maybe even a draw against Bournemouth, I can imagine the pressure on Sean Dyche particularly would have would have been fairly fairly sizable. Uh, you know, and the, I hate using the word free hit, but given because it's a Merseyside derby, but it makes it much more of a free hit than it you know, possibly would have been mm. if we wouldn't have picked up the three points against, against Bournemouth. To be honest, I wouldn't say I'm dreading it because I think uh, Liverpool are, are an outstanding team, but I think they've proven this season that you know there are chinks in their armour, I'd say. You know, they've, they've, they've won the majority of games they've played, but in the majority of the games they've played, they've, they've been behind. So I think there is hope for us there, but... You know, yeah, I don't think I'd be the only Evertonian to say it's going to be mm. it's going to be another another tough, tough test, really. That dynamic of a potentially slow start in Liverpool and a, yeah. a Deitch Everton side, which if it does one thing is it starts games fast. Yeah. And in fairness to it, if they get the goal, they're normally pretty adept at holding on for something, aren't they? When you look at his track record at Everton yeah. so far, it's quite a compelling one going into the game, isn't it? Yeah, and the, the counter to that, of course, if we go one down, then we don't, course, we don't we, we find it difficult to drag points back, don't we? Yeah, I mean, the, what I'm looking for, and, and this is something for, I mean, Dice's record, as you say, it, it, it's two distinct layers to it, isn't it? It's the teams, we've beaten teams you're expected to beat, and we've been competitive in games, even like we, where we've lost, say, Fulham and Wolves and stuff. We're expected to get points from it, and we, we should have got something from those games, but... By and large, the top five, six, seven, mm. and I'm not. I'm excluding Brighton from there. I'm talking about the traditional big six. Our performance has been poor. I think under Dice, we barely laid the glove on Arsenal in two games, yeah. didn't we? City is always difficult. Mm. Obviously, beat uh, Arsenal in his very first. Game, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah, but the two, the two subsequent games mm-hmm. we played in the in the league, didn't we? Um, at the Emirates and at home this season against um, City, always difficult. Liverpool at Anfield, mm-hmm. we we barely laid the glove on Man United. And we were poor at Old Trafford Probably as well. more frustrating one, the fact that Man United were there to be got yeah, as absolutely. well. And, and they, that was, I mean, the, the City win at Goodison towards the end of last season was comprehensive, but the main, the Old Trafford Man United win, I mean, I know it was only two, but that felt like that could have been that. Well, it turned on the Sims, yeah. missed, didn't it, really? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm looking, I'm looking to be more, to affect the game more yeah. mm-hmm. against one of the big clubs rather than just, as we saw it against Arsenal, be very passive and just just get on the pitch and try and contain and just try and do something for the best mm-hmm. of me had the ball. I'm looking for something. And I think the expectation is that 
and Anfield is like we could do something a bit more uh, than we did against Arsenal purely because I think I think Arsenal we developed probably a better team in Liverpool. How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Uh, and also, I think, as you said, I think Liverpool, I've got weaknesses. You've seen them, seen them against Brighton the other week, and you've seen all the games this season where they have been vulnerable as ever. You always think like that right channel, a right back, mm-hmm. uh, that space between Alexander-Arnold and the, the right centre-half, which Brighton tried to... Brighton definitely targeted that area, didn't he? And they, they have conceded goals. And so, you know, I'm a bit... I could do play this analysis every, you know, at the last like 20 years. I think we could do something, you know, like I've never got their weaknesses. We've got some sense to capitalise on it and then turn on the end, but I'll get beat 2 It's just like a broken record, isn't it, yeah. really? Is he can big it up, but Liverpool, the, you know, I don't think they're as strong as what I mean, probably got a lot of central fronts. But I don't think they are as strong as what they were, say, 17, 18, 18, 19, 19, 20. And, and Robertson, of course. Yeah, and injured, yeah. Left, and Van Dijk's obviously had that injury. So, yeah, I wouldn't say they're there to be got at, but possibly a little bit more vulnerable at the back than, than what they have been in previous years. And it's good for us that actually we've got a couple of forward players in decent form. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Carver-Lewin looks fifth, and um, dare I say. <laughs> Harrison has come in. Been like a breath of fresh air. Yeah, I like that's... McNeil. Yeah. I think he adds balance to the team. And we got obviously got a goal threat from Decore. So yeah, so there's something now that maybe we could take advantage of. And um yeah, you have got to go hope for the best. But I just want to say to come away thinking I don't I don't want it to be like the Arsenal game, just come you know, there's no point in turning up no. there. You know, we have to affect the game. And 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 uh, by affecting the game that means be competitive and offer something in, in attack. They don't just throw 10, 10 men behind the ball and yeah. just, uh, when you've got it, lose it within within a couple of passes. Yeah, I mean, Paul, this game comes at quite an interesting time, bearing in mind what Gav says there. I know that Dyke just fr- was frustrated with the international break because by the end of the Bournemouth game, Everton had won three games in four in all competitions, so they obviously built a bit of momentum. But if Everton was to try and pose some sort of attacking threat, then actually this international break might have done, done them well. I mean, something that I've written about over the course of the past 10 days, it's probably for the first time, for the first time, Sean Dyche has got his attacking front-line five, the one that he's going to have to base his season around, all fit and all available, all there to work together, none of them on international duty. You know, you've got Harrison back, immediate impact, obviously another fortnight for him to work on his fitness. Dwight McNeil again, impressive start since he came back, build on his fitness. Calvert-Lewin three and three before Bournemouth. Um, and then obviously you know, Beto's still around as well and Arno Danjum is there so you know, one of the questions I asked Deitch ahead of the Bournemouth game was how useful this fortnight might be and he was very keen to almost go the other way and say well actually you know, it's a bit of a myth that this is a useful fortnight because really you only get two days at the end of it when everyone's come back from international yeah. duty to actually work on anything properly anything, probably anything strategic I can understand this point to some extent obviously you know, we know that he, he loses a chunk of his, his 
his back lines and some of his midfield. But having those five players there together, fit, available, build on relationships, work on some sort of strategy, I mean, that's got to be a good thing for him. And surely that'll help going into a derby game against a Liverpool side, which isn't as strong at the back as it has been in previous seasons, which now has another issue to deal with because obviously Robertson's been injured. And obviously... It's got far more players who will be away on international duty as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think well, in our work experience, uh, Brandon did a piece think, back, back, back last week saying it could be a bit of a blessing in disguise. I think there's only Sheffield United uh, with less senior internationals mm. away than Everton. I know they've got a number of youth players, including Bramthwaite. Uh, but I think maybe Dyche was just trying to play down expectations <laughs> there or just be typical Sean Dyche yeah, with the way back away back to way questions at times. Yeah, I, I agree. We've we've got the vast majority of the mm. the squad there. Who, yeah, James Garner's there. James Garner's there. He's been so so. So is it Mikalenko so as well? Anana, who's been suspended, will he come back early now after yeah. getting sent off for for Belgium over the weekend? See Patterson with Scotland, Pickford as well. Isn't he, he, yeah. If he wants to work on shape this yeah. week, you can imagine certainly going forward. Uh, he he's he's got the option to do that and probably and I know you you wrote about it today with with James Garner Joe but he's he's got really good options now mm. it's probably the best foot attacking options we've we've had in in probably a good you know probably two or three seasons I'd, I'd argue I know it's small in number yeah. those kind of wide plays and attack and we we won't want one or two injuries to to hit us but while they're all fit he's got some really really interesting choices to make to be honest and yeah. I, 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 as Gab said, it's difficult because I think if we sit back and play like we did against Arsenal, like the Arsenal game, I seen that goal for the first time the other day. My son was watching some YouTube video and it was a fantastic goal, by the way, by Trossard. I didn't realise just how good it was until seeing it back. I think if you do that to Liverpool, ultimately, the quality will probably well, we show. We saw that 18 months or so ago, didn't we, on the Lampard, yeah. when they held out for yeah. about 65, 70 minutes. Yeah. But yeah. And the game was only ever well, going the, one the way. The subs affected it that day, didn't yeah. they? You know, and Liverpool, I'm pretty sure, will have their main forwards available, maybe bar, maybe Gakpo, so they're going to have options. And it, it just feels like, yeah, whereas we've got a lot of players, uh, not got a lot of players away on international duty and we've had a lot of time to work with the squad. Liverpool have got a number of players away on international duty and probably the biggest issue they'll have is is the fact that they've got a number of South American players mm-hmm. away on international duty and they, I think it's better this time around than it was the last international break where they were playing Thursday AM or Wednesday AM, I forgot which it was, so I think it's Tuesday AM this time so they will have a bit more time but on the flip side it's a 12.30 kickoff, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So I hope... <laughs> This 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 time has been spent well because I wouldn't say there's an opportunity because I think we've just got to be realistic and say history doesn't suggest that we'll do so well and 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 we have to accept what kind of standard plays they've got. But yeah, yeah, I I think we've got to go real, if not go all out. Well, let's test them. Let's <laughs> test them. Jurgen doesn't seem to like the twelve thirty kickoffs. Does say, he? Beffy doesn't like the twelve thirty kickoffs. That's just a subject of conversation before the international break. Yeah. I mean, how much of a big deal do you think it is for that Liverpool side, really? Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. I think it's, 
I think it is a is definitely a factor and could play a part, particularly as Wheelie said, with the um, the amount of, of South American players that are coming back for Liverpool. Um, I think Jurgen Klopp's frustration with it, you know, hinges on the fact that Liverpool have, you know, when you look at the statistics, have had way more mm-hmm. than any other team mm-hmm. in terms of those 12-30 kickoffs, 12-30 kickoffs after international breaks. I think it's 14. I think Liverpool have had in Jurgen Klopp's tenure. I think the the next closest side was Spurs with six, so there is a ba- massive disparity in terms of of, of that. But yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I, I definitely think that, that Liverpool can be got at. I think they've shown that this season. I think actually, if you look at the the set piece, one thing I sort of when I look at Everton, think of, of one of the biggest strengths is set pieces. I think you know they've got quality from the likes of McNeil, Harrison putting the putting the ball into the box, and they've got some big players in there, especially now with Calvert Lewin back. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look at the way Liverpool defended some of those set pieces against Brighton the other week. It was horrendous. Brighton could have been about three 0 up inside 15, 20 minutes with with the way the defending was. So I definitely think, you know, Everton have a chance. I think you know it, last year it was probably summed up sort of Everton's look in, in Merseyside derbies in recent years when Tarkovsky hits the bar and then yeah. Salah races up the other end and scores straight away. And so I think if Everton were to go ahead, as much as Liverpool have been very good at coming from behind. I think if Everton got themselves in front and they had something to really cling on to, you know, it could be a different game and it could they could have a real opportunity. But yeah, I think, I mean, I think twelve thirty kickoffs just should just be binned anyway. Yeah, they're they're just awful. just rubbish, aren't awful. they? You know, yeah. no one, no one wants to be sort of going for a pre-match pint at, at half ten, do you really, before a game? But uh, but yeah, so it it will be a, be interesting to see how how slow Liverpool start. I think. Yeah, fantastic. Um, we though one of the things you mentioned earlier was the pressure that's perhaps been alleviated on Dyche a little bit, having got that win against Bournemouth. One of the things I think is just worth we will finish off our discussion today about this by looking at this next block of fixtures from a from a, a slightly wider perspective. Obviously, you know, it's the free league games and then it's the, the, the Carabao Cup game and, and then it's the international break. How much the three very difficult games for Everton, I think it's fair to say, obviously, Anfield, West Ham away. And Brighton at home, three three games which last season all represented probably Nadia's within Evans yeah. a very very difficult season. Obviously, yeah. you know, Lampard got sacked after West Ham. The Brighton home game, which really was the kind of the moment I think everyone went, oh oh wow, this yeah. is a real we're in real trouble in January. And obviously the the derby at Anfield wasn't you know was Dyche's first defeat. We lost some of the momentum from from the Arsenal win. It's difficult trying to balance having a sense of reasonable perspective. Everyone will go into each of those games as underdogs with the fact that obviously Everton do need to take up points. They do still need to catch up on the points that they probably should have got in the bag from a favourable start to the season. What what do you think represents a good little run for Everton in this period? And, and do you think the there is a scenario where the pressure could really start to grow on Deitch by the end of it, or do you think that really people probably just need to be sensible and go, even if it's a bad run of fixtures, just look at where Everton are at this present moment in time in comparison to those three sides, all in Europe, all in an upwards trajectory. How difficult do you think this next few weeks could, could get for everyone? It, it could get very difficult and while. You're completely right in sense at the end of it there's got to be a, a sense of perspective about where Everton are and where those other clubs are but if we were to lose the three league games and get knocked out of the uh, the league cup 
then I think the pressure would would really be on. Uh, the, as you rightly said there, the difficulty Everton have got at the moment, we're playing catch-up, whereas I think it's fair to say we should be seven points better off. Yep. Luton and maybe even nine, really. Certainly mm-hmm. the Luton and Fulham games were there to be won and Wolves, suppose you could probably say a nil-nil draw. Even wouldn't Sheffield have United even Sheffield felt United. like an all right point at the time, but, but looking it's looking... Since, yeah, yeah. And it's it, that that's the issue we've got now. To get back onto level par or get to get back where... We, we should be, you're going to have to take points out of these kind of games coming up. I, I think uh, if you're looking at the four, as much as it paid me to, to lose another Merseyside derby at, at Anfield, if you said we would beat Brighton and beat Burnley at home mm-hmm. and then were to lose the other two, I'd probably accept, I wouldn't willingly accept it, but I'd, you know, I, I'd probably grudgingly accept mm-hmm. that now because I think it's important I think people could recognise as painful it'd be losing at Liverpool and even West Ham now because I think they're a really, really good side. Yeah. I think people could accept that more. I think it was to lose to Brian at home and then to get out to the knocks out of the cup on the back of the, the number of home losses that we've had. I don't think it'd go down well. No, I, don't think I mean, nature well. of performances matters as well, doesn't it, Gav? I think it's really... Yeah. The, I remember when the draw was made thinking that the Carabao Cup draw was actually quite favourable for Deitch because... Albeit the league is clear the priority this season. I don't think anyone have any you know, illusions over over that. I think, however seriously, or not seriously, Deitch takes that game, Burnley will take it even less seriously, given yeah. their desire to stay in the Premier League. It perhaps gives Everton an opportunity, not just to maybe get a win at Goodison Park in front of home fans at a time that might be a good difficult run of fixtures, but also... When you look at the last 16 of that, there are two football league, all football league fixtures. There are a couple more football league sides in there. You know, a win over Burnley, it isn't beyond the rounds of expectation to end up play, having getting drawn against someone like Port Vale or Exeter for yeah. uh, for a place in the semi-final of a major cup competition. And, and that that might, you know, that yeah, that's how, doesn't well, it? We're getting knocked out of Port Vale. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's funny the way the draw is. You'd love it to split the draw into two halves because all mm. the big clubs in the top half of the draw are made at the bottom yeah. half of the draw army with, with the football league clubs. Yeah, you can see me getting the semi-final, but it's not really being tested mm. over two games. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And I think it's good. A keeps the, the the Carabao Cup keeps people interested. It removes a stick to beat dice with, yeah. which I think, from his perspective, is important. Um, and people can just say, "You don't know, we could." You know, this is look at the draw, and and this that's what you need now to win a major trophy in this country. Don't yeah, you? You need you need to look at the draw, don't you? You are not gonna you're not gonna you know win a trophy by beating Man City, Liverpool, no. Man United in the last three rounds, I with all due respect to, to Everton, you're going to, you're going to be, win a trophy by a kind draw and then maybe fluke in the final. A little bit like, say, Wigan yeah. in 2013. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine, they had to play us away now. It was just a <laughs> Millwall, I think, in the semi-final, didn't he? Was it? Yeah. So And then won't beat Man City. So that's the way you're going to win a trophy. Yeah. And, and, and so what you've seen so far from us this season, now it could play out. We could get to the semi-final 
and you know that could be the first you know the, mm. the hardest game you know I never played Villa away but they a semi second string you know and and over two legs you can go go either way so yeah I think it's good it keeps everybody's spirits up doesn't it when yeah. it's needed as for the base I, I do I do get the you know the style is important mm. I think you've got to show like that's what I said before didn't I like I don't want someone to say block block a low block or whatever it's called like we did against Arsenal we've got to play some good stuff I, I fancy results against West Ham mm. to be honest with you yeah mm. um, I don't know why I just fancy <laughs> results against them. I think sometimes they can be quite vulnerable they have some they've had, they've had some iffy results there over the years all three the boys, all yeah. three sides of this run in the yeah, league yeah. have got European fixtures to think about yeah. either before or yeah, after or so. and Brighton Brighton is the same I, I think you'd be seeing a different Brighton than what we saw in in January because they, they are like stretched and you've always got a chance so we'd love watching them play they'll mm. always give you the chance Brighton and they can see that it's the second highest number of goals yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so as we know we can, they can be got up but they are great going forward if Dice is in problems though when it goes to the next international break, it won't be because of them three fixtures. It because of the the three or four games you've spoken about. That's we should have yeah. got from. And did from. you think that a bigger danger across those three fixtures is less the results that Evan may or may not get, and perhaps what say Bournemouth or Burnley do yeah, in yeah. that period? Those two teams that you think are probably on the periphery of the relegation battle because it looks like Sheffield United and Luton, I know we can't write them off too soon but you, you feel relatively confident and should have enough to finish above them from what we've seen so far yeah. Burnley and Bournemouth are slightly more unknown quantities I mean Bournemouth looked terrible didn't they but you know it's we've just beaten them 3-0 though haven't we yeah. that's, that's, what, that's what I mean yeah, 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 yeah. Like, obviously they, 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 they look terrible at, at Goodison uh, Park yeah I think that's a good point but how many points have we ahead of the, the we've got a little bit three? of a buffer now is it three it's three I think yeah. Yeah. so it's it's pretty conceivable that in three games time we could still be three and that's three, it I, yeah. I think that's and, kind and of thinking about almost a question that I'm asking in terms of perspectives yeah. a little bit because it's less about how yeah. we might view a good haul of points from this game as Evan fans and from a wider Evan perspective and more it might be about a season of just tracking about what you know, good enough is enough yeah. think, given the circumstances and we said at the start of the season that you know we'll, if we stay up it's probably going to be down to the, the, the you know mm. the, the, the poor teams who relatively poor teams and then experienced teams and Premier League teams how they do when they, they come up and yeah and, and I think we're three points ahead then you know I think that takes the pressure off. Yeah. The problem is if if Burnley or somebody take a couple of results out, I don't know what their fixes are, and we're in sort of in around the bottom three, same as what we were this time last year, yeah. and it becomes a slightly different conversation. Especially as we've then got some big fixtures between. December, yeah, it's a nightmare, isn't it? Really? Huge month, isn't it? And and you, you know you're looking at it and you're thinking by Christmas you might by Christmas you know we could have something like twelve points out of eighteen matches or. And still not be in the bottom three. Yeah, because yeah. I think thirty points. I think thirty points yeah. will keep you up this year. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it would be could be even late twenties could keep you up, and I think that's what that's what we're hoping for. I think that's what informed our, I said before on the pod. That's informed our transfer activity. I think what's the bare minimum we can do to survive yeah. in terms of cash term? You know, I mean, I think it's better as well. I think the club's attitude is, you know, and is for for my for, for my perspective is. We'd rather finish 17th, haven't spent nothing, than finish 14th, haven't spent 30 million quid. Yeah, yeah I get that, yeah. yeah. And I, I think that that's what our whole thing this year has been, what's the bare minimum we can yeah. spend? Because we know about the cash issues and stuff like that. And I think 
they might say if we get 12 points from 18 games I'm not on the bottom today but take that yeah well yeah, honestly I think given all the flux out of the club I know sound staff I mean you know, you know sound, as long as we five minutes ago today, we were in the Carabao Cup final yeah. like, <laughs> that's still a bad answer that's, 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 that's not that's, that's not beyond the could be by Christmas you've got 12, 13, 14 points because that means winning two you've got to win two games between now and Christmas and see the fixed list that's This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. And you could be in the Carnival Cup semi-final, but not in the bottom three. And I think as long as we stay out of danger, then I think Dice is, I think Dice is all right. To be honest with you, regardless, so as long as performance is okay and we're a bit competitive, I think I think he's okay. If he slips into the bottom three, I mean, no matter how poor those clubs are, yeah, then that that's when the problem will happen. Which goes back to your point, really. So it's going to be about what the people do, not not also yeah, yeah. really. I suppose what other people that also increase the Premier League, of course, is that tribunal well, yeah. back in this month. Although when when we hear with the results of that and whatever the potential conclusions will be is, is, is a bit I, of an unknown. So. And there's more murmurs at the moment about our financial status, isn't it? About what might happen to, in January if you know if, if you know if we need to generate cash, so that that all plays into it. But if you just go on what we know at the moment, I think that's yeah, my we'll stay away situation. from the murmurs for the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which we'll just call, we'll just concentrate on the Carabao Cup, you know, <laughs> like in a bit of cash that way. Daisha Wembley. Yeah, yeah. I'm still aware of his managerial career. Yeah, or, or, you know, it's written in the stars already, isn't it? But <laughs> it's good though, isn't it? A cup run is is important. It keeps everybody's spirits up. Give somebody to yeah. keep somebody well, to the statistician Gav Buckman give me in hospitality for a Carabao Cup final, do you think? I'd like it if you want to if you want to plug that. <laughs> that yeah, 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 absolutely. But no, I think uh, it, it it's funny it's funny funny time at the moment, isn't it? Playing yeah, wise where we are and stuff and what's happening. I think yeah. it's uh, could could go lots of different angles to it really. I think it's a, the rule set this season slightly different to the previous seasons, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. But what our expectations are. Yeah. Yeah, well, we've got a few more days of, of, of bliss away from the Premier League, haven't we? And to carry on living off the momentum that the Bournemouth win's given us. Uh, until then, until we start back with the Sean Dyche press conference on probably Thursday, might be Friday this week. We'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But we've been the Royal Blue Podcast. Thanks very much for listening to us, and we'll be back with you at the end of this week. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 